Okay, so if you haven't heard the news yet, I've got a new book out called The Greatness Mindset. Unlock the power of your mind and live your best life today. It's coming out soon, and I'm pumped to invite you to be a part of the launch team for this book. This is a rare opportunity to get your questions answered and network with other champions of greatness in this exclusive community of conscious achievers. If you're ready to receive early access to the first few chapters of the book, behind-the-scenes updates from me, plus VIP access to bonuses and giveaways, then this is for you. For instructions about how to join this greatness launch team, make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash launch team right now. Again, make sure to check it out at lewishouse.com slash launch team right now. You have to create the pockets of time to do what makes you great. What are those things that drive you, that renew you, that give you energy? And then you have to... Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I feel like a lot of people don't even know what it means to be a leader because they're so wounded. They've got a lot of hurt. They've got a lot of adversity they're facing or they've faced and haven't overcome yet. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of pain and fears from their past that keep them stuck in the past Mm -hmm. as opposed to a beautiful vision of a future. And I want to ask you, when was the time you were the most in pain Mm -hmm. internally? And how long did it take for you to finally heal that pain? Mm -hmm. Was it when you were younger? Was it... Mm -hmm. When you were married, was it when you were launching a business? Like, mm-hmm. when was that moment? What was it? And when did you realize, like, this was something that was holding you back? I, I think there, Lewis, and that's a, that's, um, that's a deep question. Uh, we go yeah. in right away. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lay it up for you. I'd say there's probably two seasons. Okay. And there's almost like pre- leadership mindset and then then leadership mindset. So the pre-leadership mindset for me was in college mm-hmm. the, and the pain that I experienced is I just was not a person of integrity. And so I would try to be um, one person for one group, another person for another group. And I ended up just hurting a lot of people. Really? Hurting a lot of people and just did not live 
a good life. And so there, it was a result of my own actions that um, I was in pain because I was causing pain. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much what I'd seen modeled. And so that's who I was becoming. And so it was, it was my own failure that led to changes. And then in leadership, I would say, I mean, there's almost too many, like you kind of live in pain, you know. <laughs> when you're in leadership. Yeah, I always say if you're not hurting, you're not leading. Really? So, yeah, I mean, you're, there's always, I mean, like I'm, I'm walking in today with pain after having to make a really painful decision. And, mm. and so I'm, it, it, if, you're not, if you're not hurting, you're probably not leading. Wow. And so, you know, several examples come to mind. I had a mentor and a hero who um, ended up taking his life and I didn't mm. do his funeral. That, oh. was, that was pain. And then just the, the pain of failure is very, very real public failure of trying something that doesn't work, and then relational pain of any time you don't handle something well with somebody, it's, it's just, then you have to live with that. So it's, it's, it's season after season after season of pain, but that's part of it. And I, I always tell people that um, it's some, sometimes the difference between where you are and where you could be is the pain that you're unwilling to endure. Mm. So some, sometimes it has to be the pain of making a hard decision actually gets you to the right place or the pain of which you, you know some kind of a discipline you add to your life and so i don't i don't run i try not to run from pain i don't like it but i know that it's a part of it and so i try to embrace it as a part of what we do why do you think so many people avoid facing pain when they know that's what's going to help them get to the next level and actually remove the pain and suffering they're in. Yeah, I don't know that everybody really knows that. I think sometimes they think that avoiding pain is the goal mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily see the benefit on the other side of the pain. Yeah, let's say someone in a business has a an employee that's got kind of a toxic mindset and so they kind of put up with that for a while. And then eventually they remove that toxic employee and they have no idea like, oh my gosh, things are so much I better. I have no idea Peace. how much, yeah. it's like it's amazing how much better it is. And they don't realize also when they tolerate that intolerable behavior, how much credibility they're losing with everybody else. And so, so true. eventually the toxic employee is not the problem. The person he's putting up with is the problem. And the, in avoiding that pain, in creating more pain. And so that's what I think that a lot of times, it took me years to understand that I can avoid the short-term pain because it's painful, but that pain could actually compound over a longer mm -hmm. period of time if I don't deal with it. And so I try to step into the pain that's going to lead to the progress. Right. And sometimes I don't feel like it and don't do it, but but when you when you do, when you're on, you know, you didn't become a two-time All-American mm -hmm. athlete. By being comfortable. By being comfortable, right? right? Growth, growth and comfort rarely coexist. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to step into the discomfort. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like my life is a constant discomfort. Oh, man. So it's painful to be a victim, and it's painful to be a leader. It is. But, but the leadership one. Choose, might, choose your pain. You have to choose your pain. Choose your pain, yeah. And there's better results on the other side of being a leader, but it, the pain doesn't go away. It doesn't sound like the pain goes away as a victim or a leader. No, I don't think the pain, I don't think pain goes away. And in this broken world, pain doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. But there are certain types of pain that lead to a better tomorrow, and there are other types of pain that lead to more pain. That's true. So your season, you know, what you're mentioning two seasons, the first one being uh, in college, being out of integrity. And I'm assuming, well, I don't want to assume, but 
there's probably things you were doing or saying that were out of integrity or mm -hmm. not being your word or you said, you said being one person to a certain group and being another person. And, and I had a season when I was um, 10 to 12 where I was stealing a lot. Mm -hmm. Candy bars, cigarettes. Did you ever get arrested for it? Never got arrested. I did. Yeah. You did? Yeah, I did. I don't yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. How old were you? I was in college. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this season of pain. It was, yeah. I, I, there was this guy I looked up to. He was an older athlete, and he went. He was. We, he. I can't remember what he called. It. He said like, "We go something. We never go out without a hit." I think is what he said. And so you go out, and you always steal something. Really. And so I kind of wanted to be liked by him. Uh -huh. I wasn't as good as he was. <laughs> you got caught. I got caught. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so I was a college jaded. athlete, and I, like, like, I was going to lose my scholarship. It was just no a, way. Know, yeah. It was. A, it was. I mean, it was a spiral of things like that. That was one of many things that I did that were. Uh, brought a lot of pain. So how did you overcome that? Like when you got out of jail? I mean, yeah. was it just the night or for it, an hour? Yeah, no, it was, a, they actually just scared me. It was a really right. good, and, and they effectively scared me. It was a, they did a pretty good job, but I, um, my dad was an alcoholic. And so um, I ended up, you know, drinking way too much and thought I could stop it. Mm -hmm. And then one day I tried to stop and I couldn't stop it. And that was in the season of all the other things. And so for me, we had, uh, I was the president of the fraternity that I was in. We had four guys commit grand larceny and our house was in a big bunch of trouble. And so they, they, I came up with kind of a plan to try to establish some credibility. And part of what I did, it was, a, it was at a, um, a kind of a religious Christian university. So I said, we're going to do a, a Bible study there. And that was part of my plan. And so what I did is I, I went on just kind of a quest for spiritual meaning and which ended up me, I'm obviously a pastor, which led me down a a path of faith. And so that was when my had my big kind of turnaround, really? which was I hit bottom, couldn't stop drinking, was stealing, cheating on, you know, every single girl I'd ever dated at that, that time and betraying my friends. And, uh, and so kind of hitting bottom made me ask some bigger questions in life. Really? Were you into, I guess, faith growing up before then? No, no. So we, we went to church, but it was just, I mean, it was nothing but an action. But when you for see me. your father an alcoholic or your parents, you know, struggling or they fighting, yes. yeah, yeah. you're like, well, they're not living to this. Yeah, message. There, there was it was not there was nothing real about it for wow. us. It was just a you know, Christmas and Easter feel good. You go every now and then. Yeah. And um, and so then it became you know, like going, am I going to live in a way that hurts people or am I going to live for something that's more meaningful and lasting? And mm. that's that's when I had a, a big, big life change. So that was season one mm -hmm. of pain. When was it? What was you said? There was two seasons. Well, I'd say then, I mean then like leadership, and so I just it's it's really hard to say the biggest time. I mean, right. It's just it's it's uh, is really hard yeah. to say the biggest time. There's just in early on, you know, the mistakes that we made, and you know the failures, and and it's just it's been an, it's been a uh, not not so twenty seven years of leading the. the the church that we started, and um, it's just been 27 years of different types of pain, you know, and 27 years of different types of like blessings and wins and and uh, things that we're proud of as well. But you just can't lead a lot of people without experiencing a lot of hurt. Really, how do you, I guess, forgive yourself or be okay with you know unintentional pain that you may yeah. cause on others from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, from just you made a mistake, you. You didn't say the right thing at the right time and someone took it the wrong way. How do you mm -hmm. learn to forgive yourself and not hold on to the suffering of that? That's, that's a great question. So, you know, what is forgiveness? And so, 
uh, one is you have to receive forgiveness. And some people can say, okay, well, I feel like now I'm forgiven. But then the forgiving yourself part is a huge deal. Right. And there's kind of a, an illustration someone used, of like if you're holding on to broken glass and you squeeze it like that, who you're hurting, you're, you're hurting yourself. And when, when we hold on to any kind of unforgiveness or what we did wrong and squeeze it, we, we end up hurting ourselves. And when we're hurt, what we tend to continue to hurt other people. And mm-hmm. so there has to be a point where we say, I cannot change that. I can't change what I did, can't change what I said, but I can change what I'm doing moving mm-hmm. forward. And in order to become different moving forward, I have to let go of what I did in the past. Wow. And, and um, when did you learn to let go? I would say I'm still learning to let go, mm-hmm. meaning I still am very hard on myself when I do something that is beneath my standards. Right. And, I mean, and it's something as small as there was a guy that I didn't know very well that, was, that went through a horrible thing and I thought I'm going to call him. And then I didn't call him and didn't call him and didn't call him. And then, it, then too, lot, too much time went. And I thought, well, if I call him now, it's been too late. And then I bumped into him a year later and I saw him and I was just like, I didn't do something. I didn't, didn't call you. I mean, it was a horrible situation he went through. And I just didn't do something like that and I beat myself up over it. So mm-hmm. there's um, people with high standards often have high shame. What we want to do is we want to have a high standard without high shame. We have to, we have to let that go and move on. And, How do you let it go, though? And not feel guilty or shameful if you don't do something. Well, for him, I apologized. And I said, would you please forgive me? Because I thought about it and I didn't do it and too much time went by. And so I just named it. And he was very gracious to me. And so sometimes it comes with an apology to someone else. Other times it just, it's almost like you have to draw a line in the sand and said, I'm not going to let the actions that I did or didn't do continue to to rob me from doing the right thing today. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a, internal choice to move forward you have to move forward how do we learn to fully heal and Mm -hmm. create peace can you do that if you don't forgive yourself or others can you still start to heal while holding a grudge and being shameful or is that part of the process towards healing yeah so okay so my so my dad was an alcoholic Uh which creates challenges in any kind of um in any kind of family Um, and so there was a lot of hurt there um, I don't think I could be doing today what I'm doing with that w- without having forgiven him and forgiving myself for my part in in what went on. So first of all, it's forgiving him, mm-hmm. and the second thing is, I was often not um, my reactions weren't always good mm-hmm. to what was going on. In fact, the times were worse than um, you could you could imagine. And to apologize, he went through. Um, 12-step program, Alcoholic mm-hmm. Anonymous, is now sober over 30 years, and is I talk to him every day. Wow. And uh, I look up to him today for, not for the reasons I wanted to look up to a dad for a kid, but totally different reasons. Now for a man who's humble, for a man who's caring, for a man who helps other people. And that, that healing in both of us created something on the inside that says we can't overcome we can move forward. We can make something better. We can uh, do something different. And and you know, so much of life is a, is a wound. Any any kind of an addiction in many ways. So someone comes to me with a pornography addiction, and like I can't stop. I can't stop. What I'll try to say is, okay, when did you look at it first? And they'll tell some kind of dramatic story of mm-hmm. I was in the fourth grade and something, or or someone did something inappropriate to me, and then I started mm-hmm. whatever. 
And so I'll say what that actually is, 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 is it was a wound. It was a wound. You experience something, you feel dirty like you did something wrong, but that actually was a wound. And what you have to do is you have to protect that mm-hmm. wound in order for it to heal. Meaning you have to stay away from the thing that continues to infect that wound and let your mind be renewed, mm. how you see yourself, maybe how you see people or images or the opposite sex or whatever. And so you, you literally, you, know, you have to, you have to place a protection around the wound because if you keep picking up the wound, the wound doesn't heal. Oh. And, and then, and it may be you get therapy, it may be you, you read the Bible, it may be you get, you get in a group of people that are working together, mm-hmm. but you do something different. It, it doesn't, wounds don't typically heal without some time of treatment, some time of help and some time. And you have to have all of the, some combination of all this. Yeah. Things. How does someone learn to manage their thoughts mm. when they have a wound that becomes an addiction mm-hmm. that seems like it's just, whenever there's pain or anxiety, they go right to that thought? Well, 100%. Yeah, and, and you do because of the way our, our minds are created. And you know, when we think a thought, we create a, a neural pathway, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a, you know, like a, if there's a road between the two of us, if, uh-huh. if we travel across the yard the same way every day, you create a path. And that's what our thoughts do is we create the, the neural pathway. And what we have to do is we have to learn to stop traveling the same destructive thought pathway and create another pathway, which mm-hmm. is not easy. Right. And so we have to determine what is, what is the wrong thought or what is the lie that I'm believing and then what we have to do is determine what is the correct thought or what is the truth. And we have to think that thought over and over and over and over again. Um, I would say like, write it down, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Think it, confess it till you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it till you believe uh-huh. it. And so what I did, um, Lewis, is I, I had some thoughts about me that were not always positive. What was the hardest and thought for you to overcome? I would say I always felt like I'm not enough. Yeah. And so why is that for so many people? Myself included. Yeah. Why is that this seem like the the core of a lot of our fears? I think it's because we're not enough. <laughs> we, we're not because we're not. We're we're broken human beings. And we're not the source of creation. We're yeah. not. <laughs> we're not. not we're not, you know, and and we know our flaws. And so we always know that we're we're not we're not enough. But living in that belief that I am not enough. I'm yeah. never good enough. I'm not going to be smart enough, pretty enough, whatever it is. Yeah. That doesn't support us either. No, but that's probably why a lot of the people in the School of Greatness you haven't feel that way because with that in our dysfunction we try to prove that we are uh, right. right. So you'll be a, you'll become a great athlete too, or you'll become successful, to, and you're trying to prove to someone else or prove to yourself mm-hmm. that you are enough, and that works for a little while, but it doesn't sustain it doesn't success. Last. It doesn't last. No. So how do we get to a place where we stop thinking I'm not enough, I'm never enough, I'm stupid, mm-hmm. I'm I'm an idiot, I'm I'm always a failure. How do we yeah. eliminate those thoughts? What do we replace it with to create peace? Yeah, well, it depends on your, your framework. So, okay. uh, so I'm, I'm a pastor, and so yeah. I, have a, I have a spiritual framework. And yeah. so for me, it starts, it starts with Christ. And, uh-huh. and so for me, like it, and there's actually a verse in the Bible that's a pretty powerful verse. And you know, I know people from all different faith backgrounds, and we actually love that, respect it. But there's a verse that says, you have everything you need for life and godliness. It's a powerful verse. There's, and godliness. And godliness. There, you have everything you need. And so in other words, if you recognize that that God or whatever your source would be, I would say God has given you the relationships you need, the mind that you need, the resources you need, the internal strength you need, the people to call that you need, the 
um, emotions that you can need, he's giving you everything you need for life and godliness. Then you go to him or go to your network of friends or whatever it is and say, I'm going to apply the things that I have um, to get things done. And so I'll teach that in leadership too, Mm -hmm. is that we tend to think that um, a lot of people say, I can't because we don't. I can't do this because we don't have this. I need more people, money, more time, whatever. And I'll say, you have everything you need to do, everything you're created to do. If you choose, you know, instead of saying, I don't have the time, we say, no, you actually have the time to do what you choose to have the time for. You make make the choice. Right. Uh, We don't have enough money. Actually, sometimes too much money gets in the way of innovation, right? That's true. I mean, it really does. You're not hungry. You're not creative. No, no. Too, Too much money makes you sloppy. And so the most innovative companies are you usually are most innovative in the startup phase because they have to be. They got no money. No, yeah, they're trying to figure and it so, out. Yeah. So back to your question is I want to fundamentally you you do what you do because of what you think of you. You do what you do because of what you think of mm-hmm. you. If you think you're broken, you act like someone who's broken. If you think you're insufficient, you're always gonna feel like you're lacking something. If you to change what you do, you need to change what you think of you. And so, when we talk about discipline and we talk about habits, uh, we we start first with the who, not the do. And what do you mean by so who, much? So not about what to do, but not who what you to do, but who you, you are. are. You, you, you do what you do because of what you think of you. So um, of who you believe you are. Who you believe you are. So they so did, it's changing the belief around yourself first. Hundred percent. So, so they did. They did that? a study. Yeah. Basically, when you get any kind of situation. Um, Subconsciously, you have three thoughts. The first thing is, um, is um, what type of a person I am? Who am I? What type of person I am? And the second thing is that you're asking the subconsciously every time, what type of situation is this? And the third question is, what does a person like me do in a situation like this? Hmm. And that's how you make decisions. And so if you want to change what you do, you have to change what you think of you. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What type of person am I? Am I? Uh, this dumb story. I'm a pastor. I'm in an office building in the early years. We had this rented building. There was only you know 40 staff members at the time or something. And, and this these teenagers pulled up in the parking lot outside um, and they got on a car, these guys took their shirt off and the fight's on. And so I thought, this is amazing. I mean, I'm in here studying, there's gonna be a fight. So right. I ran through the office like I'm 15 years old, going, fight, fight, fight. This other pastor named Robert, he's like, you know, he's a man's man. We ran outside, fight, fight, fight. And we're watching that, it watched this fight go on for about 30 seconds and he looked at me and I looked at him like, wait a minute, who are we? Mm. We're grown ups. Right, we're not teenagers you know, again. You know, we're, supposed, we're supposed to break this up. So when you know who you are, <laughs> you'll know what to do. So when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Mm. So we broke the fight up, you know, because we remember who we were. And fundamentally, when we want to change our habits, it has to start with identity. What would a person like me do in a situation like this? If I continue to do the wrong thing, it's because I've got the wrong mindset. And so we have to change what we think about. So how do we shift our identity if that identity has served us in some ways, but not in every way. Yeah, so our dysfunction can serve us, mm. meaning like I'm a, the oldest adult child of an alcoholic, which makes me um, makes me a people pleaser, mm -hmm. which works until it doesn't. Yes. I'm a type A personality that's gonna be an achiever, which works until it doesn't. And so those things, our dysfunctions can work for us up to a point, but to truly have sustained health and sustained impact, we have to be healthy in what we're doing. So the mindset matters so, so, so much. and. Essentially, what we have to do is we have to retrain our minds. I mean, we literally have to retrain our minds. I've got a dog that would run out into the street all the time and was going to get killed. And so I tried to train her. Eventually, I had to buy one of those collars that would, you know, shock before she mm -hmm. went on the street. Now, um, we don't even turn on the thing because she knows she doesn't go past a certain point. So she's, she's trained. What I want to do with my mind is I want to train it mm. not to go to those dangerous places. Right. And... If you, you know, I'm 55 when this comes out. If I've thought in a certain way for 20 or 30 years, the idea of changing my mind in a week is almost impossible. <laughs> right. Right? It's a discipline. So in the same way, 15 years ago, I decided to get serious about my health and, and diet. It took me probably three years. Really? To see significant benefits in my physical health. And I mean, you see some immediate ones, but, right, but right. until it becomes a sustainable lifestyle, it's probably three years. Wow. And then probably another seven years of dialing it in with supplements and meals and workout and, and such. And the same thing with my mind is in order to take out all of, all of the, or at least as much dysfunction as I can and start to replace it with healthy, um, sustainable, productive, positive thoughts, it's taken years. And it's, it's been, it's, you, you don't get great 
at anything without a lot of time and you don't get great healing your mm-hmm. mind without putting some work into it. So after this, you know, 10, 15 years of doing these activities to kind of retrain your thinking and your habits and your discipline in being the leader you are now, when a thought creeps in mm-hmm. from the past, mm-hmm. like maybe it used to mm-hmm. consistently and it creeps in, what do you think and what do you say to yourself about it? How do you shift it? How do you get back to your your new identity? Yeah, so there's, there's um, like, science would call it, you know, creating new neural pathways. Scripture would call it renewing your mind. Mm. And there's there's actually a Bible verse that says we're to capture any wrong thoughts. And that's a great kind of metaphor. And so let's just say that you feel like I'm never going to be good enough. The moment that comes up, you want to recognize it as early as you can and you want to capture it and say, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And what is true? Uh, and then you want you want to replace it with what's true. And you have to, you, you, if you don't capture it, it's kind of like if you let a few roaches in your house, you're gonna have a bunch of roaches in your right. house. You gotta, multiply. You, you gotta you gotta solve the problem. You gotta see the problem early and solve it quickly. Mm-hmm. And so you want to recognize. And one of the key things is is that like like a lot of us just don't recognize the wrong thought patterns. You see it with people on social media when they say just dumb things, and everyone else goes, "That person's not healthy" because they don't see it. And so you want to first of all recognize. What is it? What wrong thought patterns are holding me back? Mm-hmm. And when you when you when you believe a lie long enough, you just start to think it's true. And so sometimes you have to have outside help too. For example, the, the yeah. performance psychologist I worked with, he he helped me to see that because of my feeling unworthy, I find it difficult to ask for help. Mm. I find it very difficult to ask for help. And so he said to me, "What do you need?" in life, like what do you need? What are your needs, what do you need? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well I need to eat, I need to sleep, and I kind of slowed down there. It's like, what else do you need? And I, so I've been, I have been married to Amy for 31 years. We've got a great marriage, I kind of, I kind of need her. Like I, yeah, 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 yeah. not <laughs> technically, but I really want her, you know? Uh-huh. And he goes, no, you're just being, you're, being, you, you, you're believing a lie. What you need is you need recreation. Mm. You need friends, you need enjoyment. You need time without a ton of people in your home. You need to go to a place where you have anonymity. You're mm-hmm. like, I don't need that. No, actually, you need that. And so what he helped me to do is, is to dignify need, that that doesn't make me less of a servant mm. or doesn't make me more, it doesn't make me narcissistic. It doesn't make me a bad leader. It doesn't make me a bad husband. It makes me a human being that has needs. Right. And so as one who's been trained to always serve others, um, it's okay. It's not only okay to ask for help or to have need, but it's important to ask for help and to let others meet your needs. And so mm. I've had to retrain my mind to do that, which is not, hasn't been easy. What happens if we ask for too much help? Is there such a thing or is that oh, a good thing? I think thing? certainly there's, there's such a thing that you, you can't let other people do everything for you. Mm-hmm. You can't let them solve all your problems. You know, if you, if, like if you have, if you create a great course and it's always free and I don't have any skin in the game, right. then I might not take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that there's, if you're a baby, you probably need unlimited help. Right. But when you're not a baby, at some point you have to, you have to feed yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the place in your life right now you feel like if you continued to level up to the next level would solve a lot of problems? Either internally, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally, spiritually. 
If I leveled up, it would solve a lot of problems. Or if you overcame, or if it was something that was holding you back still, even if it was on a smaller level. I mean, you're at a mm -hmm. whole other level than most people because you've been so disciplined for, mm -hmm. you know, 15 years. But is there anything still a thought that holds you back, an emotion that holds you yeah. back, an intention? I would say, like, my disciplines are pretty dialed in, and which is good. But I think that probably... The um, here's here's something. So I told our team it's was, it was hard to say, but I basically had been lead, leading afraid, and so there's a part of me that mm -hmm. just is cautious now. In the early years, I was too dumb to be afraid as a as a leader, right. and didn't have anything to lose, and so I took a lot of risks. Mm. And now what I realized in this culture, someone like me can like, and you, we can say something small, something uh, a misstep. <sighs> we can misspeak and it can be incredibly costly yes. and so not only could it hurt me but you know i've got a thousand employees so i take a misstep it could be costly there i represent something that's more than just a brand but it's it's spiritual and mm -hmm. so so i think that um i've been way too hesitant i've played it safe i haven't haven't been as bold at times and um I think that one of the when I did a lot because I was fearless, I've done less because I've been fearful. Interesting. What would you step into if you weren't fearful at all? I think that um, there are. I've actually stepped into some of the things more recently. Is I think there are certain subjects that mm. that even like we talked about off camera yeah. that are a little more controversial mm -hmm. that I have been. Um, stepping back into, towing into, stepping yeah, <laughs> toe back into, because uh -huh. what I want to do is like I want to keep the conversation going, and so there's certain things I can say, or certain things I may believe that if I come out too strong, the conversation ends real quickly. And if you come out too strong, yeah, I'll lose, say, this I is can, my belief. I can lose and, credibility. Yeah, and you know I'm actually pretty open-minded and have a wide tolerance and love for a lot of people. Uh, but I do have some pretty firm beliefs. And so what I don't want to do is I don't, I don't want to push them, but I believe they could be really helpful. And yeah. so, I, 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 I'm, so I'm wading back into some things that I think are important That's for cool. someone like me to talk about. Mm -hmm. and, but they're, they're risky. So I'm going back and doing some of that. And then I think every now and then, for example, our church created something called the Uversion Bible app. Uh -huh. And it's on over half a billion devices. We give it away for free. And we've been, I, the language I use is we've kind of been nickel and diming it, meaning we put a lot of money toward it and have a big team, but we've been playing it safe. Mm. And, and we steward what is probably the number one tool in the world, in the, in the history of the world, of getting out that word. It's pretty powerful. And we've been, and we've been playing it safe. So what we've done, and we've come in and we're going to ramp it up, we're taking some risks and putting a lot toward it that may or may not work. So that's something now wow. that I'm, I'm saying I was hesitant mm, and I'm cool. not going to be as hesitant there. Mm -hmm. And so there, and if I thought about it for a long time, there's probably there's probably a ton of areas like that where sure. my fear has just kept me from um, being as bold or... Yeah. Playing a little safer. Playing a little safer. Well, th this is the challenge, I think. You've, you've accomplished so much individually and also with your church. I mean, you have so many... You know, the locations, you reach a lot of people. The app has a half a billion people using the app. You know, the, the books, your work, your credibility, your leadership, all the different things that you've created. Why do you think it's so hard for people once they've created something mm -hmm. that 
to other human beings looks like a lot, mm -hmm. right? It looks very credible and, and a big platform. Mm -hmm. Why is it so hard for people to continue to be courageous in using their voice? Not saying you're not doing that, but mm -hmm. to continue to do the things that got them there. And also, why do you think so many people want to bring down mm -hmm. those that have created something that they mm -hmm. aspire to create themselves? Mm -hmm. Why is there this culture in the past five, 10 years of just like, let's pick apart anyone who's mm -hmm. doing anything yeah. of value? I'll start with that part of the question because okay. that's easier. So in like in New Zealand or Australia, that's where the tall poppy syndrome yes, would be yes. most well known. And so whatever the poppy that grows the tallest, people want to cut it down. I think it's a, um, I think it's a sad commentary on human nature born out of insecurity. Mm. And so here's what I found is that um, for a big part of my life, I was very much like that. If I saw something that was successful, I felt threatened by it. And I must not be good enough because I'm not doing that. So there must be something wrong with them. So I kind of grew up in a home or a mindset where I was taught wealthy people are bad. Yeah. I mean, literally, that was almost word for word was said. They're so evil. They, they must have done something wrong to, to get that way. And what's interesting is a family member that believed that ended up marrying somebody that had wealth. And it was this world-class wealthy person, like world-class, generous, kind, mm -hmm. uh, amazing. And so I said to that person, I said, do, do you think maybe that they are wealthy because they've treated people well, because they've had integrity, because they've served people well? And then that person who was married, I said, now you're going to be wealthy and you're going to get to decide what kind of wealthy person do you want to be? So uh, it was interesting because that was, we were raised in a mindset where people want to cut them down. As, mm. as I've grown to not be threatened by success, but celebrate success, is I'd rather cheer people on like crazy. And it takes, it takes a real different mindset. It's, it's like the difference between an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. And you know what is scarcity? Mm -hmm. Like there's one pie, and if you get a piece, I don't. Abundance is we can make more pies. And right. so if we, if we believe- Unlimited pies. Yeah, yeah. We, make, we can make tons of pies. And so if we believe that successful people probably did something to deserve to be there, and it's hard to be there, and then we'll, we would cheer them on Rather than tear them down, mm -hmm. and it's and just also um, I read it's, I think it's Engelman's that does the trust surveys now. I think it's sixty seven percent of people choose not to trust unless there's a reason to trust, which is mm. horrifying because it, I don't know you, but we're on a podcast together. So I'm putting my trust in you. Mm -hmm. I flew on a plane to get here and trusted <laughs> the pilot to get me here. When I go out to lunch today, I'm gonna trust that they don't spit in my food. So our whole society is built on trust, but when sixty seven percent of people don't trust. Unless there's unless it's proven, mm. it's almost like a breakdown of relational yeah. anything. And so I think long answer to that, um, in it, what we criticize the most is often what we understand the least. What should we do instead of criticize? We should be a student. I mean, we should get we, curious. Get curious. Like you, what, what yeah. have you done? I mean, yeah. you, you've, you've been you've been curious, and and that's what makes you great. And so you haven't you don't tear down greatness you create mm -hmm. a school of greatness mm -hmm. right exactly yeah why you know i've seen over the past i don't know five seven years different uh pastors just leading churches in general stumble mm -hmm. right have 
marital issues or a cheating scandal or financial scandal or something like I've mm-hmm. seen it. I don't know all the details. I'm not in the that mm-hmm. scene really, but I've seen this happen. Sure. And then, you know, they lose their credibility or their church or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Why do you think that's happening to certain people mm-hmm. in the faith-based communities? Mm-hmm. And why do we have such high standards for these individuals mm-hmm. to not also be human and make mistakes? Mm-hmm. Can you speak into just this? Yeah, the, I, I could talk about this for a long time because it's, mm-hmm. it's really important. Uh, first of all, yes, we have had some visible leaders fall. Mm-hmm. And we've had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of leaders, spiritual leaders, not fall. Right. And... Thousands of visible ones, visible ones not fall. So, so we do have a problem, but we also have a lot of places where things are going really well. And so mm-hmm. I just always like to point yeah, that out because we live in a day where the failures hit the news. And mm-hmm. you know, right, rightly so if we're doing something that um, isn't right. Uh, so but I also want to say there's a lot of, a lot of people doing it really well. So 100%. we don't want to forget that. Why is it happening? I think several reasons. I think that, I mean, it's almost too many reasons to count. I think um, if we put our identity in the wrong place, we get vulnerable. If we work too hard without recovering, we get vulnerable. If we're visually distracted by something we shouldn't look at, mm. we're vulnerable. If, we, if our identity is in, uh, if we, we neglect our marriage, we're vulnerable. If we don't have, and this can be a problem, if we don't have real accountability, people that we answer to and we're one of the show we're incredibly vulnerable and it's, it's you know that can be an issue yeah. and so I think the list goes on and on and on um, of why we're there and one of the things one of the challenges is let's say we let's say we take a small misstep that leads mm-hmm. to a bigger misstep a lot of times spiritual leaders don't feel safe confessing it and so like where we are what we want to wow. do is we always say we want to be a safe place to confess sin early Meaning, mm. if for someone to do something that would be newsworthy or disqualifying, there's generally not a one-step action. That you, generally, there's one, two, three, four, five, six smaller steps that led up to that. Right. It's not just, oh, I have this idea. I'm going to go act on it. No. It's like, I've been thinking about this for years. And working toward it. Meaning, and compromise here, compromise more here, compromise here. And so, what, what, so we, what I'm a big believer in is high levels of accountability. Okay, so let's say... Let's say mm. we're going to look at your life and there's certain disciplines in there. You've got parameters. So like there's certain things I'm going to eat today, certain things I'm not going to eat today. Yeah. There's certain things I'm going to do with my time. When it comes to guarding my marriage, 31 years and six kids that are grown, five grandkids, there's I have parameters in my life, safeguards that... Give me a few. Tons of them. Right. So my <laughs> um, so if people would criticize this all day long, it's, and I understand in certain circles this would be... But I'm just not alone with someone of the opposite sex. Right. You're not just, alone. I'm not yeah, alone. Yeah. I'm not alone. Um, my computer and my cell phone and all, they have, there's uh, like tracking stuff on there. Every click I make on the computer, someone else sees. Same with my phone. It's got it's got blockers of inappropriate material. I, wow. can, I can't book a massage because I can't type in massage. It blocks things, which is... Which is Incredibly right. inconvenient if I want to get a massage, <laughs> right, right. but it's, right, right. it means I can't look at something I shouldn't look at, and wow. so it, it, so the body, and someone's like, "Well, pastor, are you really that vulnerable? Are you that big of a sickle?" And the answer well, is about keeping you accountable. The answer right? is like generally not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, generally not. Yeah, I mean, like most days, no. Right. But you never know 
if there's going to be a time when I'm upset, mad, angry, vulnerable, mm-hmm. whatever. And so the, the way I always phrase it, Lewis, Gosh, Lewis is, is uh, I'm going to close as many doors as I can to something that could be costly. And the way I say it is, why would I resist a, a temptation in the future if I have the power to eliminate it today? Wow. Okay. So I love this. Why, why fight it? Like, I don't know when I'm going to be vulnerable. So if I am, because I'm still a human being, let's not have that thing be able to, let's not have access to it. Sure. And so there's, and then, you, you know, how are you going to do this? Well, you, you're only as strong as you are honest. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, you, you you have to be you have to be honest, and so for someone like me to say I have those kind of parameters, that implies that I could be vulnerable, and the reason is because wow. I could be vulnerable, sure, <laughs> because of where I came from, sure. And I always joke around. Long before I was a pastor, I used to be a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, right? Right. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm not. A, a human being that's capable of, of, of wrongdoing. Sure. And wow. so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, where am I vulnerable? And I'm going to put safeguards in those places. So every keystroke and every link you go to, yeah. someone's able to look at. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Software. So someone on your team or so your wife my, or your email. Oddly enough, in my office, so like on my computer. And so if you, this is, you may not like this, but if you text me, someone can see that. Sure. So, the, so I'll people, only text you inappropriate things. Yes. And there's a couple of <laughs> people that need to remember that. <laughs> so a couple of my friends. And so like, all, like everywhere I go, my mileage is tracked. So people in my office know everywhere I am. Wow. Every dollar I spend, I've got several people that help. See, they all see that. Every dollar I make, every dollar I give. And so there's financial transparency with, wow. the, with a group of people. It's extreme and, accountability. And that's not even accountability. That's just how, how my life's set up. Meaning like, I, and, and if, if then, then what is there to hide? So when I took up a new, um, I took up jujitsu uh, three years ago. And so the lady who my office, she's going, what's, what's this place you've gone to four times in Guthrie? Because like, right, right. uh, my life is so boring. I went to a new place. But, <laughs> so that people see that and, and that would be really extreme for a lot of people. I know a lot of your audience going, this mm-hmm. guy's wacko, this guy's weird. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of people criticize my standards and end up in trouble. <laughs> wow. And so I have a lot to, um, I have a lot of reasons to stay on the right path. Sure. And so I'm going to put fences up to keep me from going on the wrong path. Yeah. And if you took those away, let's just say, you know, I've been doing this for, 30 years now, I've been having these parameters, these guidelines, these boundaries that I've set myself. I'm in a good space. And if you started to pull them all back, you know, maybe for a year or two, you would still continue that. But then 
oh, no one's going to see this. Let me get away with this right. little thing. Uh, this isn't really that big a deal, but it could lead to you something. Know, there are a ton of boundaries I have right now that I do not feel like I need right now. Right. But you never know. You never know, man. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I need right now. You yeah. were born a man. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like, at this age, I am uh, way less vulnerable to some things than I was before. Sure. Uh, but I'm not invulnerable. So I'd rather be, I'd rather be um, wise than foolish. I mean, it's an extreme way to look at things, but it's gotten you, you know, extraordinary results in your life and a sense of peace and freedom that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. It, uh, that's what discipline is. Most, most people hate discipline. The, a, a simple definition of discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now, right? And there's some things I want a lot. There's some things I want now, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're not the right thing. And so it's all the way like down to my my diet, which is is really really strict. You're dialed, I, I th- can tell. Well, thank you, but it's 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 not because I don't like donuts. It's not because I don't like chocolate ice cream. I like it. I just don't have access to it. You want to have energy. You want to live a long time. No. So I mean, my meals are pre-planned, mm-hmm. and I've got the healthy snacks around all the time. Because if I don't, I I'll be I'll be vulnerable to it, and so. That's there's just, there's just choices mm-hmm. that we make to put the right people in our lives, the right environments, the right systems, the right accountability, the right structure, and you know people say they'll, they'll say Craig like you're you're incredibly disciplined, and they'll say I'm not disciplined. I'll say you're actually are disciplined. Like you know some people are, you may be disciplined to eat Doritos and play video games all day, sleep in, but you know that's what you've chosen to do, and you mm-hmm. do that consistently. And I, I'm not naturally disciplined toward the right disciplines. I have to choose them. And it's like your mind, once you choose them often enough, you create pathways and then you see the benefits from it. And then you, mm. then it becomes, then, it, then it's who you are. Mm. Then it's, so for a while, I was a person who was trying to eat healthy. Now I'm a person who values this is, this is a temple of the Holy Spirit is what my faith would believe. And so I'm going to put good things in it wow. as who I am. Not just what, I don't just eat right. Or don't, it's, no, it's, this, is, this is who I am. It's identity. If you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. And so mm-hmm. it's the mindset that, that goes a long way. What's a thought you think of frequently throughout every day that supports you in your life the most? Um, I would say there's, there's, there's several things. So I have kind of... Um, for Amy, I would say, um, uh, um, I will love her like Jesus loved the church. I'll lay down my life to serve her. Wow! And so I want to, uh, <laughs> I want powerful. to, I want to, I want to love her. I want her to feel blessed, honored, cherished, and so that relationship matters so much to me. When did you get to that point? Was that from day one? Was so, that like ten years in, where you're like, okay, this is? We my- decided going into that we wanted to have something that was different. Mm. We really want to have something that's different. But this is a different way of thinking 30 years ago. It was People weren't thinking, thinking that way, right? Yeah. You just kind of follow the norm. You get, you date for a few years, you get engaged, you get married, yeah. and then you get divorced. So I told you, like, like, like I was, I did everything that would have been wrong in the dating life that, that I could have possibly done. And then when I had kind of my change, what I did is I took two years and I stopped dating. So you're, you kind of have some oh. weird stuff like this yeah. too, right? Yeah. So I stopped dating to try to reset myself. And I started back, I started reading everything I could on marriage. I started listening wow. to cassette tapes. This tells you how sure. long ago it was. This was the 80s. I started journaling what would a good husband be like. And wow. I wrote love notes to the person I would marry one day. I didn't know who it was, but I wrote these love notes. So 
like three months in a date name. I had this shoebox. It was, and you know, I should have made a presentation of like, I think these are for you. And I gave her these love <laughs> notes, you know. And so I just went into it thinking we're going to be different. And in you have to be different. I Meaning you have to be way different. So people laughed at us, made fun of us. Our finances were different. We didn't. You know, we were going to save and invest, and they mm. made fun of us. Our priorities were different. And then after a while, things started kind of working and and working well. Wow. And then, um, then it earned a little bit of credibility when before we didn't necessarily have it. And right. So, so that's at the top of that relationship with her is um, mm. at the top. And then, and then I'll say I can I, I can do everything um, God calls me to do because I have everything He needs me to do. And so that's that's kind of one of the things I say over and over again. Um, it's like a mantra throughout the day, kind of. Yeah, you know. yeah. I'll believe the best about people. Um, you know, I, I try to always tell myself that that I, I would rather I'd rather be wrong believing in someone than mm. being skeptical because of my nature I'm, I'm skeptical so that goes against my nature wow and i feel like to really be good in leadership you have to believe in people you have wow. to believe in people if i want them to so we always say that trust is given mistrust is earned that's opposite of culture that, that and i want to trust you until you prove i can't versus in culture today it's the other way around right. so to have a wow. team that's really healthy that really wants to be there I want them to know that I want to be a you-oriented leader. I want to believe in them. And that's counterintuitive to the way I was raised. So I have to force that to the front mm. and renew my mind in that way. Wow. It's inspiring. Who is the, uh, the mentor that inspired you the most in this space? Maybe someone you're, you know, around your age or older uh, that paved the way in their relationship, in their faith, in their, the way they did things in the business. Mm. Like... Yeah. And what was the biggest lesson that that person taught you? I, I would say for me, there's not a single person. It's almost like, and I always tell people, like, don't look for a mentor. Look for categories of mentors. Mm-hmm. And so yes. I have I have a ton of different um, in each category. Like if you ask me a category, I could tell you a person. So kind of like in business and leadership, there's a guy just named Mike Liddell that's just, he um, is disciplined, great man, great family leader. Just look to them. If you look in leadership, um, I would say like I was hatched on John Maxwell in the early years and read everything that, that he ever wrote. Um, I mean, like a lot of the people you interviewed mm-hmm. like years ago, just listen to Ferris on the, mm-hmm. you know, his four hour work week, which a lot of it was kind of almost like hyperbole, but there was gold in there. Sure. And then, then listening to, uh, you know, everybody I listened to like would um, they did sauna cold plunge or they meditate like almost everybody. Everyone. Would, and so I'm going. If they're okay, doing I'm that. Gonna do this. I'm going to try it. Yeah. And so I do that now. And meditation's not been as consistent, but it's it has. I do. I actually created my own form of meditation that I do mm. in the sauna, which is different. Wow. But if there's someone I respect that's doing something, I, I want to do the thing. I want to. I want to. I can't always do what they do, but I want to know how they think and I want to know the why behind it. And so in every category, I've got different mentors that inspire me. Wow. What's the best relationship advice you heard? Um, so when Amy and I got married, there was a there was a writer in the newspaper called Ann Landers. Most people, she was real mm-hmm. big back then. And she wrote this thing that said, neglect the rest of the world if you have to, but never never neglect your spouse. And we cut that out. This was back when you put magnets on the refrigerator and we put that up there. Uh-huh. 
neglect the rest of the world if you have to, but never neglect each other. Wow. And so we just took that in mind. And, and so we really prioritized our marriage relationship. And but how do you do that? I mean, you've got such, you got over a thousand employees. You're leading millions of people around the world. You're, the weight is on your shoulders to be, to have the, you know, the right message to say in the right way mm -hmm. every single week. You're writing books, you're running other businesses, you've got the Bible app. Like, how do you put your marriage or the relationship first when you're creating so much with your mission? I would say there's a couple things that people wouldn't understand. One is that the amazing people that I have around me that do so mm -hmm. much. So you would be shocked at what I don't know and what I My don't friend. do. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it would be, it would, People, your head would spin like, you know, you don't know that. And you're like, I don't know so much about mm -hmm. what they do. I trust them. So there's great people. There's that. Then the other thing is, is that like my life is just stupid boring. Mm. Meaning it's just, you know, you get up, you, work out. You do you, this, it's the you, same thing over and over and over eat again. The food, yeah, yes. And I mean, I'm done at the same time. <laughs> and so like, it's one of the big things I try to teach. I call them artificial deadlines. And so, uh -huh. you know, my, like my message I have to preach it on a Sunday, right? But it's due on Wednesday noon. Who who created the deadline? I did. You did. Yeah. So also, I leave at three forty-five every day, which is really early. I probably started a little earlier than most. Right. But but if I if I create an artificial deadline, what that does is it makes me delegate more. It makes me do things, not do some things that I probably shouldn't be doing anyway. And it makes me make decisions faster. So think about that. If I if I have an open-ended day. I'm probably going to be not as productive mm -hmm. because I'm not going to delegate. I'm going to do some things I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to be slower to make decisions. So creating an artificial deadline makes me more productive. To mm -hmm. have time with Amy, we block it out. Wow. And it's just a priority. And so really productive people don't have more time. They just do more with their time and they do more through other people. And then you have to prioritize what really, really matters. You just have to prioritize it. Wow. And so, like, how do you have time to work out? Well, you choose to. How do you have time to have your wife? You choose to. How do you have time to pray? You choose to. I got my pilot's license. You know, now I'm working on my instrument wow. rating. How do you have time to do that? I chose That's to. Cool. I chose to. Because you fly out I, here yourself? No, no, no. No, <laughs> yeah. no I just I flew in the clouds for that. I did my first instrument landing yesterday. So oh, I'm, not that, I'm not that good. But I'm, I have my license. That's now cool. I'm getting instrument rating. But what that does is that's a disconnect from my mind. Mm -hmm. So how do you have time for that? Well, you, ch you choose to. And so typically, if you want someone who will actually get something done, you go and get someone who's doing a lot of things because they know how to manage their time. And, mm -hmm. so, um, and your energy. So a lot of times we just talk about time management. Energy management is a whole different category and a whole different way of thinking about when, when do you have the most kind of creative energy or uh -huh. when do you have the best decision-making energy. So... I'm, all, I'm disciplined all the way down to I don't make decisions on certain days. You know, if you want to ask me decisions, we do them after I've done certain things. So it's, it's really bore, it's boring, it's structure, but there's freedom in that. There is. There's freedom in it. What happens on the other side? If, you're, if someone's like, well, no, I don't want to have that much structure. I don't want to be that, uh, you know, diligent with my time. I want, to, I want to be able to do things when I want. Yeah, eat what I want, it, it, work I would out say, whenever. Well, I would say that it would be wrong for a lot of people that are not wired this way to try to do this. It would be it would be cruel to ask someone that's not wired like this to mm -hmm. perform like this. Yeah. But what I would say is is let's say you're way more artistic, or let's say like I'm I'm an ESTJ. Let's say yeah. you're an INFP. You're much less structured, more relational, more floaty floaty. I'd say you probably want to have some kind of like artistic structure, or you and that might mean 
on Tuesdays, I go away and I look at the clouds and I paint, mm -hmm. but you do it on Tuesdays and that's the day you might do it. Or instead you might say, during this week, I don't take any kind of appointments because of whatever. So you have to create the pockets of time to do what makes you great. And structure and systems and goals and agendas and accountability, that makes me um, do better than some. Mm -hmm. For other people, it might be creative, it might be flexibility, it might be relational time, it might be reflective wow. time. But you have to define what are those things that drive you, that renew you, that give you energy. And then you have to ask, when do you do them best? Meaning like I create content in the mornings, not in the afternoons. I'm fresh in the mornings. And so then you put your, you, you, you direct your energy, your gifts in a way that's consistent with how you're wired and, mm -hmm. and you find, you, you find freedom and productivity in that. Right. So I don't want to, I don't want to ask anybody to be like me. That'd be dumb <laughs> be, because they're right. not wired like me. But what we want to do is find out how are you wired? What brings you joy? Where are you great? When are you great? Mm -hmm. How are you great? What are the environments around you that are great? And then go recreate that. Yeah. Lean into that. Lean into that. Your wife's Amy, right? Yep. What's the thing you love about Amy the most? I love her consistency. She's just, she is, I'm like, I'm intense, I'm emotional. She's just, she's solid, <laughs> steady, easygoing, she, and, and she's just fun. She's just, I mean, she's fun. Yeah. Yeah. What's the quality about her that, I'm sure you tell her all the things you love about her all the time, but what's the quality about her that you think about that maybe you don't say enough about her. I say it all. You say it like, all. I, no, I promise you. Like, you know, I, if you think something good, say it. And so mm -hmm. I'm a words of affirmation person, so I say it. A, a different question for me is, like, maybe what you, what should you do for her that you don't do? Mm. And then I could get into a lot. What's that? Meaning, uh, I would just say serving her better. So mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll express the words all the time. And, um, but she respects my work schedule so much, there are times when I should probably take a morning off and spend it with her and I don't I'll spend it at work so it would be it would be it wouldn't be how I would say something better but how would I serve her better mm, that's cool I love that so when are you gonna take off what morning are you gonna take nah, off I don't take off mornings maybe some Friday in the future an afternoon. The afternoon yeah but the mornings are that's mornings where you get all are, your stuff they're done. dialed in yeah so your afternoon which afternoon are you gonna take off in the next month yeah you I'll tell you what day. man you text I'll me tell you what, I will do. do it I will do it yes. I will I will sometime before the end of the year if I don't do it you can hold me accountable yes exactly what does she bring out and what's what's the thing that she brings out of you that is the best version of you? She helps me believe in me when she so I'm fundamentally insecure. Really? Yeah, 100%. Uh -huh. are, are you are you? I'm a lot better. Yeah, I better. used to be I'm, more insecure. I'm way better. I'm yeah, way better. Yeah. But well, you know, a million times better, but at its core there's still that sure. am I good enough? <laughs> you know. And so there's a in any kind of public anything uh -huh. you've got fans and you've got haters right and the fans are meaningful but they don't move the dial internally and the haters can get to you or not depending on the day and so for me if she believes in me i think it was maxwell who said that what he said he said what is success he says success is when the people who know you best, love you the most, that's real success, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. And so if the person who knows me best, loves me and believes in me, I feel confident. That's beautiful. And, and then it goes beyond that, it goes like into my office, my assistants, if they believe in me. And so every assistant I've had in my office, 
um, if they're not still there, they're still a part of the church and still part of our lives. And so that makes me go, oh, okay, so we must be doing something right. If they didn't run away from years, They didn't run away. They're still a part of our internal circle. And that means a lot to me. So if I didn't have that or if she didn't really believe in me, I would question myself. Mm, that's beautiful. What do you feel like is the thing every man should give to their wife more that would bring more joy, peace, and love to the relationship? Mm -hmm. And every, every, uh, every woman should bring to their husband mm -hmm. more that would create more question. peace, love, respect. It's a great question from abundance. someone who's dating right now. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's pretty serious. That's a great question. Yeah. So I would say, I'd answer it in two different ways. The first way I would say is, what we want to do is find what is their love language. Mm -hmm. And then we want, we want to love yes. them in that language. We don't, we don't want to love them the way we want to be loved. We want to love them the, the way they want to be loved. So that's the first thing. And then I think the, um, the second thing is that um, want to make mom's day get to your Nordstrom rack now and score amazing deals for mother's day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom rack, fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London, great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. For 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 women, what they typically need, and this is it's always dangerous to talk. Right, right. But what they women generally want to know: Do you love, cherish, and value me today? So they want they want love, cherish, and value. Or what a man usually wants is some version of: Do you believe in me and respect me today? Those are two different things. And so what tends to happen is a woman wants to be loved, cherished, and valued. So she wants to love, cherish, and value her husband in kind of that more intimate, mm -hmm. and, and, um, and a guy wants to be respected and admired, and so he may say, you look beautiful, you know, kind of admiring her looks or whatever, and at some point she's like, well, I want to be more than just a, you know, physical person to you, I want to be an emotional person. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, what I want to do for Amy is I want to, to love, cherish her, and value her, and then the way she loves me is more belief in me mm -hmm. admire you know and so I tend to think that you know your spouse is often becoming more of what you see in them and say about them if you see greatness and speak greatness and mm. and encourage what you're seeing the wins they tend to become more of that they, they tend to do what's rewarded and if you tell them what they're not and tell them where they're failing and how they suck that oftentimes it tears them down and they have a harder time pulling out of it. And so we're multipliers, right? So when I met you today, you gave me a long hug. And mm -hmm. so next time I'm gonna hug you longer. Yeah, you said yeah. I, like to, I give long hugs. And so what you give me, I give back. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't like what you're getting in a relationship, you need to look at what you're giving. True. And so we're either, we're either investing in and helping someone become more or we're tearing down and becoming less. And, and if we 
give, if I give her affection, give her um, the words that build her up, love her in her language, and she gives back to me, then it starts compounding. And then Absolutely. we just, it's not perfect by any means. Sure, sure. But it, it becomes rich and meaningful, and then you can endure the hard times. Mm -hmm. If I'm tearing her down, she's telling me, you're nothing, whatever, I wish you were something like so-and-so. It robs me of confidence, it robs me of intimacy, and it spirals in the wrong way. I love that. I'm really um, careful about the words I use in my relationship with Martha. Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I don't know if I'm ever critical of her. And I think I was telling you off camera, I was like, once I decided I'm going to be committed to you, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. So why would I be critical of things if I'm accepting of you? Right. And that doesn't mean I won't give her um, an opinion if she asks for it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll say, hey, listen, would you like some, a suggestion about what I'm noticing that's happening right now? Mm -hmm. Some suggestions, some feedback, only if you're open to it. But I'm not going to be, smart. yeah, because I don't want someone to be like, you need to stop doing this, this, and this, this, because I'm not going to receive mm -hmm. that well. Mm -hmm. See if I want the feedback first. Right. Maybe encourage some good things in me first and then, you know, 100%. and then be like, hey, yep. but this one thing you're doing over here, you know, I see it maybe affecting you. And yeah. You may want to take a look at it. That's brilliant. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. And, and what you're doing is, is you're, you're, you're working on your relationship. I call it working on it in non-conflict times. Yes. So not at 2 a.m. when you're tired. No, not no. <laughs> and what you're doing is brilliant, too. So here's here's what we've learned to do is, uh, is we'll, it, we're, uh, it's evening time. The kids are in bed. And we'll have kind of a marriage checkup, mm -hmm. and so I'll say, um, "What you know? What are three things that I'm doing that are blessing you? And what's one suggestion of a way I could love you better?" Mm -hmm. So what does that do? Three three things. She'll often tell me things that I'm doing that are not what I thought were blessing. Or like, oh, okay, I just cool. bought you flowers. She didn't really care. Yeah, but I helped. Um, I helped go spend time with her the grandkids. She cared about that. So mm -hmm. it it helps me know what are the three things, and then there's three things, and then. What's one way I could love you better? Not that's, one way I'm horrible at, but one way I could be positive. Better. Yes. But then she gets to, after affirming me, give me something that really might be a complaint. That's like, good. It really bothers me when you do this, but it's framed. And so then. I like that. And, and then we do it both ways. And we've had so, we've learned so much. I like that a lot. We've learned it so much. And it's during a non-conflict time because you know when you're emotional. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is beautiful, man. I gotta. We're going to have to have you come back on and do a whole relationship episode sometime. Uh, but I've got a couple final questions for you, Craig. Yep. Your book, The Power to Change, Mastering the Habits That Matter Most. I want people to get this because this is practical, biblical, and doable uh, when you when you discover the power to change. So I want people to get this book um, because I feel like we're either going to be stuck mm -hmm. in a situation we don't enjoy or we're going to need to overcome something by experiencing some type of pain, right. some type of change, transform from the inside out mm -hmm. in, in order to enjoy life better. Mm -hmm. So somewhere there's going to be pain like we talked about in the beginning, right. uh, but it's really learning the habits that matter most yep. to support you in changing in the right ways. Mm -hmm. And so I know people are going to get a lot of value from this book. I encourage you guys to get one for yourself, a few for some friends as well, The Power to Change. Make sure you guys get a few of these copies for your friends. Where can we go and get this book or support you uh, specifically for the book? Yeah, the book is um, anywhere books are sold and, and that's the best place to get it because we don't sell any. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Mardell, anywhere books are sold, it's there. And What's the best website for you to stay in touch as well and also the, the social media that, that people can follow? Yeah, so my name, Craig Rochelle, on um, pretty much most platforms and um, website would be Life life.church is uh, the church that 
I lead that's in um, 44 different locations. And then, of course, there's an online avenue there. And then for anybody that maybe wants to um, learn more about the Bible, the Uversion Bible app is something that we're honored to give away mm-hmm. completely free. Uversion. Uversion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And then there's, there's, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of translations, mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of languages, wow. um, devotions from people all over the world, plans and such that can help people on a spiritual journey that, that would uh, be meaningful to me to give that as a gift to someone. That's wanted. amazing. Yeah. We appreciate that. Um, this is a question I ask everyone at the end called Three Truths. Yep. So imagine your last day on earth many years away. Mm-hmm. You accomplish everything you want to accomplish. You rid yourself of any insecurity you might have. Mm-hmm. And um, you live a beautiful life the rest of your life. But for whatever reason, everything you've created has to go with you mm-hmm. or somewhere else. We don't have access to the book, the apps, mm-hmm. the churches, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. hypothetical. Mm-hmm. This podcast is gone, everything. But you get mm-hmm. three things to share with the world. Mm-hmm. And this is all we would have of mm-hmm. your content. Mm-hmm. Three truths or three mm-hmm. lessons. Mm-hmm. What would be those three truths for you? I would say, and I, I hope that a broad audience would accept this from me because I wouldn't push it. But I would say that um, when you look at who Jesus was, the way he loved, the outcast, the broken, that I believe that he is, um, that Jesus is love and that Jesus saves. I would say number one. I would say um, number two, what I would say is that you're a leader because you have influence, use that influence for some to make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. And I, I, would, I would stay there for just a moment because most people do, truly don't see themselves as leaders. And we have to ask ourselves, what is leadership? Leadership is influence and everybody has influence. And so yes. I really try to help people see that they have um, influence. And then I would say that um, in a world full of doubt, hate, brokenness, that um, again, to go back to the book that inspires me, that love never fails. And I would say that um, love, um, love generously, mm. um, that uh, that's the best thing you can do to make the world a better place. And the more that you give, the more that you give love, the more you serve others, the more meaningful mm. life's gonna be. So yeah. I would say Jesus saves, your leader use it, and love well. Mm. That's beautiful, man. I want to acknowledge you, Craig, for the way you show up. Again, <laughs> I've, I've watched your stuff for a while and just meeting you and connecting with you. You really show up as a leader to me. The way you've designed your life, your marriage, your business, your church, your service. And uh, it's inspiring. It's Thank very you. inspiring to me. So I acknowledge you for how you show up and how you show up at a high level even when you feel like you might have more to lose or something. When you've accomplished more or you've accomplished a, a certain level. So I acknowledge your constant courage to lean into being more fearless and taking the necessary risks and and just the way you serve man i just really acknowledge your message uh, you know and your example so i want to thank you well thank you for creating content that helps me and so many other people yeah. that the um the to to be on um this with the quality of people you bring in is is humbling and an honor to yeah. um to be amongst some of the um greatest people that i've ever learned from and yeah. so thank you for creating that I appreciate yeah. it final question craig what's your definition of greatness well i that i have to go to script on that that the greatest would be those that serve yes and um i mean just the way your team has served and welcomed me today you have that quality and so that really is greatness mm-hmm. that um to make a difference in other people's lives to leave them better to come as a giver to believe the best and serve others that's that makes greatness and uh 
I uh, read a book, a really good book called um, by Daniel Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Um, uh, and anyway, basically he says, how do you create wealth? You actually serve people. And the more people that you serve, the more wealth you create. And so if we define wealth broader than finances, but mm. in friendship and in health and um, in meaning in life, the more people we serve, the wealthier we get yeah. in a way that matters most. And so... Let's, let's, let's keep serving. Mm, Craig, yep. appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's episode with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me personally, as well as ad-free listening, then make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let me know what you enjoyed about this episode episode in that review. I really love hearing feedback from you and it helps us figure out how we can support and serve you moving forward. And I want to remind you if no one has told you lately that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Capella University. You'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.